Welcome to the College Essay Guy podcast, where it's my job to interview brilliant people working in the brilliant college admissions world, ask them a ton of questions, and then curate their advice into practical, actionable steps that you can take, whether you're applying to college or helping somebody else apply. Now, my goal is to bring more ease, joy, and purpose into the college application process. And my topic today is demonstrated interest. So I've got my work cut out for me. And, you know, at first blush, it might not seem like this is actually a great way to bring more ease, joy, and purpose into the college application process. But I hope by the time you finish this episode and you read the accompanying uh, practical guide, you'll see that this can actually be something really important to know about and consider as you're applying to college. And hey, it might actually even be fun. So in this episode, I've got Monica James as my guest, and I'll tell you more about her in just a little bit. But we discuss, among other things, what the heck demonstrated interest even is, because this may be your first time hearing about it, and why it's important to colleges. We'll talk about what yield is and why there's a multi-million dollar industry of people called enrollment consultants who use sophisticated predictive analytics to foresee which students will actually attend a particular school and why that matters. We'll talk about how to find out which colleges track demonstrated interest, because that might be of interest to you. We'll talk about if you discover that there's a school that you're really interested in, how do you go about demonstrating interest? What are some practical ways that you can do that? And is it possible to go overboard and demonstrate too much interest? And finally, we'll even get into should you or shouldn't you like a college's Facebook page? All this and more on today's episode. Here we go. My guest today is Monica James. She is an independent college counselor in Atlanta, Georgia. She graduated from Vanderbilt, where she studied econ, then picked a career in corporate banking, where she spent 12 years happily providing capital to businesses while learning a lot about a a variety of intriguing industries. She later got recruited by a company who coaches executives in public speaking, in speech writing, and interview skills, and she got intrigued by the need for professional guidance in college interviewing and essay writing with high school students, plus uh, job interview coaching for college students. So she started a consulting practice called The Competitive Edge. Monica, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. So Monica, what got you thinking about demonstrated interest in the first place? I guess I started thinking about it kind of in concert with college interviews because interviews are my background. And I started thinking about the fact that interviews are really conversations and the conversations build relationships. So I was kind of glad when I first started to decipher the fact that colleges really wanted to hear from students. Mm -hmm. Um, because it was going to help humanize the students and help make them more than just grades and test scores. And I can give you a good example of how I saw that play out this year. Great. Um, I had a young lady who was really interested in a D.C. university, and (coughs) she visited, came back, met with me, and said, Mrs. James, I just love this school. And she prattled on about all the reasons that she loved this school. And I said to her, you know what? You really need to write an email to the rep and tell her how much you enjoyed it and tell her all the reasons why in the same way you just told it to me. And she got a really lovely email back from her rep about 48 hours later that she sent to me to show me. 
And the rep said, you know, I really just loved everything you said. And you should actually save everything you said because you're going to have to write a why this school essay (laughs) and use some of what you said in that essay. And long story short, this young lady not only was accepted to that university, but got a tremendous merit scholarship there and will be attending there. And I believe a lot of that happened because she had built a truly authentic relationship with that rep. Awesome. So I love, love, love what you're saying. Two things that I love about what you're saying. One is this notion of an authentic relationship. And I'll Mm -hmm. say more about that in a second. And two, this notion of humanizing, I think is so important because it goes both ways, right? That on the one hand, you know, you know, this is a way for students to be more than just numbers on a page, but also it's a way for students to remember that behind the desk, that these colleges are actually made up of people. And this thing that we're going to talk about today, demonstrated interest is a way of connecting with those very people. Right. Uh, The second thing is, you know, as this is just a side note to the listener is that I want students to know that as we're talking on this podcast, we're probably going to get into some stuff that's going to sound kind of like strategic and like, you know, things that you need to do, like action items. But if you just remind yourself to come back to this core point, that this is an authentic relationship, it's going to help ground you. It's going to kind of be your lighthouse. Okay. So as we get into the podcast, just remember, this is about building an authentic relationship. So I just wanted to underscore that. So next question, you know, before we even get into how to do it, tell me, Monica, what, what is demonstrated interest in the first place? Right. So if I were to give it a definition, I guess I would say it's the ways in which the many different ways in which a student shows a college that he or she is truly interested in attending that college. And yeah, there's a checklist for it. And nothing says that a student has to do everything on the checklist. Just like we were saying about authenticity, they should do the things that feel authentic to them. But colleges are going to use that to predict how many kids will actually say yes to their offers of admission. And actually, some studies have shown that up to half of all colleges consider demonstrated interest pretty important in the overall process. And I've also heard some numbers that suggest that if students do it well, it can actually be like a a little bump. In other words, it can be a 100-point increase in the GPA I'm I'm sorry, in the SAT and something like a quarter of an extra point in GPA. So we're talking about a pretty significant amount of potentially made and potentially missed opportunities here for students. Right. And I love, first of all, any student looking to increase their GPA 100 points, rock this. Right. So, um, but so why is this? Like, why is demonstrated interest so important to colleges? Well, for better or worse, Colleges have to run somewhat like businesses. Hmm. And granted, they're nonprofit businesses, but they still have to manage the bottom line. So if you're the dean of admissions of a mid-sized university and you have, say, 1,500 freshman beds to fill in dormitories across the the campus, you pretty much need to fill those 1,500 beds because if you've only filled – 1,450 of them, you're losing quite a bit of money. So it takes a pretty complicated calculus to figure out of all those fat envelopes you're about to send, how many are actually going to matriculate. So which would be easier, 
to glean interest from. The student who's never been, who's never written, um, they actually call those stealth applicants Mm. versus the student who's visited the campus, who's written to you as the rep, um, who's been to the website a couple times. That can be pretty indicative that they're going to come. Right. Stealth in the sense that like they're not even showing up on the radar, right? Exactly. They have no information on who the student is or how interested the student might be in the, the campus. Gotcha. I have a friend who mm-hmm. works for a hotel in Los Angeles and her job yeah. is to make sure that they fill as many rooms as possible. And <laughs> right. so part of what she, her job is, is to like set the price and obviously colleges don't do this, but to figure out what's everybody else charging and like what price can I set that's going to get basically the highest yield, the highest amount for each room. And I've right. never thought of college admissions like that before, but I thought, Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. It really is true. There are beds to fill and desks to fill. Right, right. So in, in this last thing you said is kind of interesting, you know, in terms of how the admissions landscape has changed. What, what do you feel like shifted and made or has made demonstrated interest more important? I think it boils down to three things as I really try to, to narrow it down. But one of the big things is technology. Hmm. So let me explain what I mean by that. In 1998, the Common App launched its first online version. And I'm sure that your listeners know that the Common App allows students to apply to a lot of colleges by completing only one application. Sort of as an aside, I often say there's little common about the Common Application because most colleges still require students to write two or three school-specific essays. But in any case, it beats the heck out of typing out forms and stamping envelopes. So when you think about the fact that more than 20 million students apply to colleges each year, and more than 25% of those submit seven or more applications, and sometimes I hear some really outrageous numbers of students applying to 40 schools. By the way, I typically recommend three targets, three reaches, and three safeties. Mm -hmm. But in any case, you can imagine that some very popular universities are getting flooded with applicants Mm -hmm. and really don't have any idea who will actually come if invited to come. Mm -hmm. So that number is referred to in our industry as yield. And if a college gives out many more offers of admission than are actually accepted by applicants, we'd say their yield is low. And demonstrated interest gives them a hint of who might accept beforehand. Right. And what is, why does yield even matter to a school? I'm asking you a leading question because I know the answer, but I'm really excited for you to share with people who don't know. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. So, so that brings me to the next point of rankings. So if you ask a student what the best colleges in the country are, many of them will rattle off the same 20 or so names. And why is that? Because of the popularity of publications like U.S. News and World Report. And so it would be kind of a mistake to ignore the impact of those rankings. Um, And if you would ask any university president where his or her college falls in the rankings, they might roll their eyes at you, but I guarantee they'll know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So yield is one of those important metrics that determines a college's rankings. Mm -hmm. But having said that, please understand that I'm in no way saying that a highly selective school makes it a better school mm-hmm. or a better fit for mm-hmm. a particular student. And, but what I am saying is that 
the top 10% of highly selective colleges are a lot more selective now than they were five decades ago or even five years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's important to realize that more than half of the colleges are actually substantially less selective now than they were then. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really surprising and really encouraging to a lot of families. If they look beyond those top 20, 30, even 40 schools, the rest of them are really welcoming. They want students, so they're much easier to get into. Mm-hmm. And what I love, I love saying that to parents too. That most, you know, most schools accept most students. Right, and, right, right. And that's surprised. Why is and why do you think folks are surprised by that? Well, I think because everyone's talking about the same colleges, mm-hmm. um, and and I think some things have changed. I mean, it used to be that. Most students went to college within 100 miles of where they lived, Mm -hmm. regardless of what their abilities were and what the college's characteristics were. But now for all kinds of reasons, including globalization, um, kids have a lot more choices. Mm -hmm. And our industry refers to this as resorting. Mm -hmm. So this phenomenon has caused a huge rise in popularity among a very small group of extremely selective colleges, and then a fall in popularity in some others. And just to clarify, you're not talking about resorting, like going to Mar-a-Lago. Right, right, right. (laughs) Resorting, exactly. Right, great. Sorry, go on. More like from a Harry Potter kind of view. Right, there we go, cool. The sorting hat or whatever, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what I found absolutely mind-boggling as I did more research about this, was this sort of invisible X factor that's at play. Um, There is a multi-million dollar industry of consultants who exist who advise colleges in this regard, and they're called enrollment consultants. And they use all kinds of sophisticated predictive analytics to try to guess which students will actually attend. Guess is actually the wrong word because they do it with great precision. Mm-hmm. But the process basically merges dozens of data points and can help colleges ultimately predict who will come um, and even who will be successful once they've actually enrolled. Wow. So. Okay, I'm interested in two things. Um, okay. First of all, I'm curious to know how much research or how you've been able to research this, you know, and to whatever extent you're comfortable saying. <laughs> and then I'm also interested <laughs> in, you know, what sort of data points, you know, they, right. they're interested in. Right. Okay. So as to the research, when I first sort of globbed on to this topic, um, and I honestly can't even remember where I first heard the concept of enrollment management, mm-hmm. but if you were to Google enrollment management, you would see all kinds of websites of consultants that are out there doing this. Mm -hmm. And they write all sorts of white papers um, or research papers that explain how they can help the outcome for colleges. Mm -hmm. So it's not that it's top secret. Um, It's just that not a lot of people know about it or seem to talk about it. Certainly, if you were a university president, you would absolutely know about it. Mm -hmm. And if you were on the admissions side of a college, I suspect most all of them know about it. But Mm -hmm. I just don't think it's something the general public is that aware of. Right. 
And so what are they looking at when they're, when they're helping these schools? Because what I hear you saying is that essentially they're helping the school decide which students are likely to yield. In other words, just to right. make it really clear for folks, like what a college wants to know is like when they accept you, that you're going to accept them back. And if, like you said, just to repeat this point, but just to make sure people got it, that if they accept 100 students and only five say yes, that's bad for them because their rankings in some cases go down. And that it's right. more complex than that, but that's kind of the, you know, the, bolt, the bare bones version. No, so exactly. What they're trying to figure out is like, okay, if we accept 100, we want as many of those students to, you know, come to our school as possible. And what are they looking at to know, like what sort of data are they looking at to know, you know, which students are likely to yield? Exactly. Well, so one of the obvious ones that, that they use is zip code. So if you're a school in Florida and you're getting a student from Seattle, Washington, they're going to be pretty skeptical that that student from Seattle, Washington is actually going to matriculate to a college in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also use things like race and ethnicity and even the history of the relationship with each high school. So, for example, if you're a high school who has has gotten several kids into that same Florida university and not many of those kids have matriculated in the past, that's sort of a, a ding for a student that truly wants to go to that university. Mm. Um, and so that's why it's even more important that that kind of student show demonstrated interest Mm -hmm. or that the student in Seattle who really truly wants to go to that school in Florida shows demonstrated interest. And one of the things I want to say too, though, is when I first started reading about this, there was sort of an element that felt sinister to me about it. Mm -hmm. But as I further researched it, I also realized that these same colleges use these predictions to help students. So for example, Mm -hmm. they may be able to tell who might need a little bit more nurturing and advisement to keep them academically successful once they're on campus. So it's not all quite as sinister and self-serving as it may sound at first blush. Right. And you talked about demographics too. Tell me about that. Yeah. So this was another thing that actually surprised me. Um, For the last 15 years or so, there were pretty steady increases in the overall number of students graduating from high school. Mm -hmm. But now that the children of the baby boomers have mostly graduated from college, the U.S. is headed into a period of stagnation. So while because of, of the technology I mentioned before, like the Common App, while there are huge numbers of applications there are not as many applicants. There are not as many people to sleep in those beds as there were. So in other words, while the numbers of applications are way up, the actual number of warm beds, warm bodies to fill beds has gone down. Hmm. So again, it makes it even more necessary for colleges to know who's actually going to attend. Right. They, they may need to send more fat envelopes, but they can't send too many either. Right. Which now, you know, to tie back to demonstrated interest, it seems that knowing who's likely to show up for your party, if you invite a bunch of people, you know, <laughs> is going to be useful to know. Right. <laughs> right. So, exactly. So talk to me about in terms of, you know, the different schools. Is there a way of knowing like who cares about demonstrated interest and who doesn't? Is it different for schools? And again, I'm asking a leading question because I have some sense of this, but you'll be able yeah. to fill us in on the details. Like, sure. You know, who cares, how much do they care, and what do they care about? Okay. 
So I would say in general, the more selective the school is, the less they care about demonstrated interest. Mm -hmm. So I remember taking my daughter a few years ago to visit an Ivy League school and she courageously went up to the front desk and asked if there was somewhere she should sign in. And the woman barely looked up from her keyboard and said, honey, we have so many applicants and so many people touring this school. You don't need to sign in. <laughs> and with that, we What's knew that? that that particular college did not track demonstrated interest. Right. And then there are even some schools who used to track demonstrated interests that have decided not to. So, for example, Emory says pretty clearly um, in one of their admissions blogs that they they consider the student's investment in the application process mm. to be more important than demonstrated interest. So, in other words, taking the time to write thoughtful essays getting teacher recommendations, filling out applications, all of that, to them is demonstrated, demonstrated interest enough. But at the same time, there's still many prestigious colleges and universities that plainly state on their website that they do track demonstrated interest. So some of the ones that come to mind are Carnegie Mellon, Boston University, and GW. And I know they still track demonstrated interest quite eagerly. Right. And so I want to ask the question that students and parents are listening going like, okay, but what about X school? You know, what about the school that I'm interested in? Is there any, any way that folks can just, is there like a website that's like the demonstrated yeah. interest website or how do students find out which schools track what? Well, this is really cool. There are two intriguing ways to find this out and neither of them are hard. The first is to simply Google the college's name followed by the term demonstrated interest. And typically that'll send you to their admissions blog or some page on their website, which will either pretty much say pretty clearly that they track demonstrated interest or that they absolutely don't track demonstrated interest. Mm -hmm. And then another great way is to Google the term common data set, common data set followed by the name of the college. And I'll put this in the show notes so that you guys can find it. So if you're like, wait, what did she say? If you look right. at the show notes later, you can just click on the link. Right. So the common data set is a table that colleges and universities publish, and it's not a secret, and they describe the key elements of what they're looking for. So if a college tracks demonstrated interest, there'll be a little check mark under the column important next to the term level of applicants interest. Right. And just to give folks a, what, a sense of what that looks like, essentially they ask all these schools, hey, what's important to you and what's not? And it's like essay, you know, GPA, test scores, you know, just basically anything that you think they might find important. And one of the things they ask is demonstrated interest. Exactly. So that's one of right, the right, 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 right. Okay. So, Monica, how do students, let's get into the practical, how can students demonstrate interest? <laughs> okay. So there are lots and lots of ways. And let's, let's sort of go in order of the way that, that this whole process typically evolves. So let's start with the fall. Many students start to mysteriously receive lots and lots of emails from colleges in December of sophomore year. Mm -hmm. And that happens as a result of the information that they have given the college board when they take the PSAT in October. So colleges buy this information from the college board and then use it to initiate their marketing efforts. So one way to start showing demonstrated interest is simply for these students to open the emails from the colleges that look interesting. 
And I'm not a tech, technologically savvy person necessarily, but I have heard that colleges are able to track who actually opens those emails. Mm-hmm. And some of my students say to me, Mrs. James, I'm getting you know dozens and dozens of emails every single day. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, just be sure to open the emails of the schools that look interesting to you. You don't have to read every single one, but the ones that that look interesting, you should go ahead and open. Mm -hmm. uh, Just from having a little marketing experience, I'll say that what's trackable is not just who opens it, but who actually clicks on something inside the email. Uh And then I'll go even further and say that, like, you know, they're also able to track in some cases how much time you spend on the website. Um, So it's gotten pretty you know, I don't want to say NSA, like scare anybody, but they, they're tracking all kinds of things like that. So I don't want to scare anybody, but I just want to say like, yes, clicking on it will help. And if you click on something that'll help even more just in terms of, you know, dinging, checking these little boxes. Exactly. And another thing I've heard is that I've heard of situations where the student has opened the email, signed up for some information, and then the college has quickly written back in this very cheerful way and has promise to waive their application fee if they, in fact, apply eventually. Wow. Okay, y'all, free money if you just check, yeah. click the box. No, right. that's not what we're right. promising here. But Monica's right. saying that in some cases, she's heard of this. Right. Um, so last week, I spent a lot of time at a college fair. I do this, you know, NACAC Pasadena College Fair and spent some time talking to some reps. What is your take on college fairs? You know, is it a useful place? Is it a waste of time? How about that in terms of tracking demonstrated interest? Well, how about if I say that I have mixed feelings about college fairs? That's fair. That's fine. Because the intro- the atmosphere is so chaotic. And for, you know, half the people that are introverts, that can be really taxing yeah. on kids. And, you know, the problem is there's so little opportunity for any kind of authentic engagement or real conversation. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it certainly offers an opportunity for kids to go by the tables of the colleges that are interested in them and extend their hand and introduce themselves to the reps. And you'll hear reps, I'm sure reps have told you this, I mean, it's a little bit uneasy making for them as well, particularly the ones that aren't necessarily that that popular colleges. Mm. Sometimes the, those people just stand there looking kind of lonely. Yeah. So when a student goes by and extends his hand and smiles and asks a specific question that can be really impressive to a rep mm-hmm. and then the student that goes one step further and writes a note expressing thanks for the admissions reps time to answer their question that's really helpful yeah let me give a quick anecdote i spent some time and i basically went up to because i get overwhelmed with these things too okay yeah so first of all and and so i wrote this little blog post that you know i'll link to in the show notes on how to make the most of a college fair and not get completely overwhelmed oh, <laughs> but, right. uh, but i went up to like five different reps and so part of the advice i give is like pick five schools that you're really interested in talking to but i picked i went and went up to reps that were just standing there by themselves and i went up and i said hey uh, my name's Ethan. I work with with students on applying to college. What are the odds that the student who you meet today that you would be reading that student's application? And f- five out of five were like, "Oh yes, absolutely." And I uh-huh. was like, "Whoa!" And actually, there was one exception where it was the dean of admissions who was filling in with some, for somebody who was supposed to be there but wasn't. But she's like, you know, she reads all the applications, and then so there's four out of five said, "Yes, I'm the one." And then I asked them, "Do you track demonstrated interest?" And all of them said, "Yes, we do." Um, yeah. because they're trying to find out 
you know, and again, these were kind of random schools that I picked out, but they're all trying to find out because they have, you know, in some cases, smaller budgets, they like want to make sure that they're, you know, they're, their outreach is really working. And one of the ways they do that is demonstrated interest. Some of them were really, you know, knowledgeable about the, you know, the email tracking system. And some of them were kind of like, yeah, I know we do that. They weren't sure about all the details. (laughs) Right. But it it just, in short, it was just amazing to me that like, that it was like a five out of five deal. Now, again, I was talking to like small schools. Well, there was one larger school that I talked to, but I'll put some of this info in the blog post so that I don't have to bore folks with that right now. Well, it's not boring. It's actually kind of interesting. So very um, interesting. And I think, I think the thing that you hit on is that there are human beings behind this process. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes we forget that, right? We think, oh, it's just, I'm just sending it off to this school. This like nebulous right. thing. But right. it's like, no, there's actually a person that's going to read those. One guy at, at one of the smaller schools, I said, who reads them? And he says, me and another guy. And he's like, I read 4,000 applications last year and he read six to 8,000 applications. And that's it. So that's the whole team. Now at a, you know, University of California school, it's going to be a whole team of readers and you aren't likely to probably meet the person who's going to read your application at like UCLA if you go talk to that person. But if you go to some of the desks of these small schools, you have a pretty good chance of meeting the person who's actually going to read your application. So anyway, I'll speak about that. And that, that's a great segue into a couple other opportunities I want to talk about in that regard. Go. So in the fall, admissions reps often come to high school campuses in like October, November. And usually most high schools, either through Naviance, if the high school uses Naviance or their college counseling webpage, they'll make an announcement that such and such a university is coming to the high school on such and such a day. So that is a great opportunity for students to have a one-on-one meeting with their rep. And when I say their rep, it tends to be their rep because they the, the colleges assign territories or states or cities to certain reps. And uh, so the student's getting an opportunity to meet the person who may actually read their file. Right. And it's an opportunity for a student to show intellectual vitality. And what I mean by that is, you know, I think lots and lots of students know the term intellectual curiosity. Mm-hmm. But to me, intellectual vitality is when a student takes an interest and really does something with it. Right. So a student might say to the rep, I see that you have an economics major, and I'm really interested in the intersection of economics and statistics. So can you suggest how I might combine those two interests? And I think a rep would be really impressed to hear a student say something like that. And then at the same time, often colleges will hold um, little mini, I call them dog and pony shows, but they do slideshows or PowerPoint presentations at local hotels or conference centers. And if a student is interested in a school, they should really take the time to attend one of those. And so I'm curious if you could just say a little bit more about, you know, based on your experience, what role is the, what's the role of the admissions rep in this? Are they just doing dog and pony shows or <laughs> what else, you know, as you've un- come to understand it, what else are they doing? Well, so as I mentioned before, most colleges assign one of their admissions counselors to a region or a state or even to a large city. And that way the call, the counselor really gets to understand the flavor of various high schools in the same area and how they might differ. So they might realize that a GPA of a 95 from one high school 
is a very different thing than a GPA of a 95 from another high school. Mm-hmm. Or it helps the rep understand why a certain applicant may have three APs and another applicant has 13 APs. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the student's fault or the student's failure to take a rigorous enough curriculum, but it has to do with how many APs does that high school allow the students to take or how many does the high school offer? So in that case, the counselor really gets to understand sort of the timbre of the high school. And then um, it it differs from, from university to university, as you know, having to do with the way they actually carry on their admissions process. Mm -hmm. But often the, the rep for the area becomes that student's advocate when it comes time to make a decision about them, when it comes time to go to committee with that student's file, they may only have four or five minutes per student to show the file to the committee. But if that student has taken the time to really build a relationship with that rep, then that rep is more likely to want to advocate for them. This is that so is re- ridiculously important. Yeah, sorry to cut you off, but it's like... Yeah, that's, but tr- that's really where demonstrated interest comes in. Absolutely. So just going off of, if you listen to last week's, you know, the, this is me speaking to the listener. If you listen to last week's podcast one with Park Muth, you'll hear him talk about what it's like behind the scenes when he's going to, when he was going to committee at the university of Virginia and trying to advocate for a student. Imagine how much more well-prepared he would be if the student not only had a great essay, but he'd actually met that student. So in some cases in these committees, you know, the, the, you know, the counselor or the admissions counselor will be asked to sort of say why they think this student is a good fit or not a good fit. And if, if they know you, if they've met you, it's just that much, you know, easier to do it. Exactly. Talk to me about social media. Yeah, so I have heard that one of the things a student can do is to actually like, thumbs up, like the college's Facebook page or other social media. Um, But I always caution students about that. And I say, you know, once you've kind of opened the door to social media, remember, it's a two way street. They can you can look at them. They can look at you. Right. So I want your Facebook pages or your Instagram or whatever to either be have really tight security settings or to be squeaky clean enough that you would feel comfortable if your grandmother looked at it. Right. And then I've also heard of this very new thing, um, sort of an online chat opportunity. So colleges set up the ability, if a student is on the website, they might engage them in a conversation And it's a really good idea if the student writes back and says, oh, hi, you know, again, remembering there was a human being behind that little chat box. Right, right. So they can also, you know, tell about themselves there Mm -hmm. because the colleges are certainly trying to market to students and to find students, quote unquote, where they are. And online is certainly where 17 year olds are. Right. Give me some others. What about like the college visit? I'm guessing that's a good one. Yeah, the college visit is super important. And I think the um, the dilemma for a lot of families, understandably, is that visiting colleges can be very expensive. So going back to the student in Seattle who wants the college in Florida, that could be a pretty expensive weekend flying and, and hotels, etc. So 
my understanding is that colleges are pretty forgiving if a student is not within, say, a six-hour drive of a university. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I, I wouldn't want my student to actually matriculate to a college they've never laid eyes on. Mm. So, you know, my feeling is when that list comes down to the top, really top three or four mm-hmm. schools, that I really urge that student to visit. You know, I just want to pause for a second because I want to, I'm interested in the other ways that students can, um, you know, show demonstrated interest. But I want to speak to if there if there's any student or parent out there that's that's hearing all this and going like, oh my gosh, this feels exhausting. Like <laughs> to have to right to have right. to reach out to all these schools and all these reps and like the Facebook page and open the emails and then click on it two times and like do all this <laughs> stuff. Like it just sounds crazy making. And so my question for you is, you know, what do you say to students or parents who might be feeling overwhelmed? Like this is a whole heck of a lot. Should they be doing this for twenty different schools? You know, what, what, what do you, what do you say to them in terms of advice, uh, maybe on, a, on even on like a philosophical level in terms of how to approach this thing? Right, right, right. Well, so for one thing, I say that their college list is pretty fluid up until about September 1st. Mm-hmm. By September 1st, I really like for students to have, have kind of whittled that list down from 20 to nine. Mm-hmm. Because I really believe, and I mean, you're the expert with the essays, but I really believe that students are hard-pressed to write more than 27 fabulous essays. And and the reason I use the number 27 is you have your Common App essay, and then on average, I'd say each college has roughly three essays of their own. So that's roughly 27 essays. And so if a student is really doing the research and really finding the right fit. And we talk a lot about fit, but I am a big believer in it. So if they're looking at a college, not for the name and not because their father went there, but because they have the field of study they want, or it's a school that's, that really walks the talk of service. And this is a community service oriented kid. And they find those nine schools that they could really be happy at. It becomes far easier to really show authentic demonstrated interest. Yeah, great. So this is not something that it's like just kind of when you're casually exploring. This is like, okay, once you're pretty sure that you want to go to a school, you know, and even if I'm guessing, even if they picked three or four schools to really court, as it were, to go after, we're talking three or four schools. We're not talking 20 or 30 schools, right? Right, right. Okay. That feels better, right, guys? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and admittedly, you know, I try to help students really structure, physically structure in spreadsheets so they can keep track of what they've done. I think, you know, it's a good exercise in self-management to to structure a way to keep track of all these engagements. Mm-hmm. So... Monica, all right, give us a, what are a couple more ways that students can demonstrate interest? You know, let's say through the application, supplements, what do you got? Okay, so I guess the clearest um, demonstration of demonstrated interest is applying early decision. And, you know, of course, not all students can do that. They need to be able to look at all of their, their offers eventually. But when a student really knows that college is the one applying early decision, is a huge advantage. So for example, last year, Cornell's regular acceptance rate was 12%, but 
but their early decision rate was 27%. Or Dartmouth's, their regular acceptance rate was 9%, but their early decision rate was close to 26%. So when you get back to that question of yield, you know, students know if they're applying early decision, they're going to come. Mm -hmm. To a lesser extent, early action works that way too. Um, it still can be very indicative of a strong interest, but given that it keeps the students' options open, it doesn't work quite as well as early decision. Mm -hmm. And then applying before the deadline can actually be a great strategy. And this was something I've always wondered about. So when I started talking to um, college admissions reps about, well, it seems to me like the earlier somebody applies, the better, even if it's not early decision, because don't you get tired by the end of reading season? And they say, absolutely. And therefore, you know, the first oboist that I read, the oboe playing essay, um, I'm more inclined to accept than the seventh oboist that I read the oboe essay. Assuming the first that the oboist, that's great. Yeah, assuming that the orchestra needs an oboist, which they often do. Um, and then, as you know, the supplemental essay can be a really fabulous way to show demonstrated interest. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times that the question for the supplemental essay is why this college? And I love helping students with this one because ultimately they always want to write because the campus is so pretty and the reputation is so good and my grandfather went here and I was raised wearing red and black or gold and white or whatever the colors are. And I say, wait, 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 no, that's what everyone's writing. We wanna write something different. So I ask them to really do a lot of substantive research about the college and tell me what freshman seminar sounds interesting to them. And what courses do they want to take in the core curriculum? And the fact that they've always wanted to take astronomy, but never could take astronomy in high school. So write about the astronomy course they want to take. So that sort of thing. Um, it needs to be really well researched. It can talk specifically about activities and clubs and professors. And there's no better way for a college to know how much research you've done than that supplemental essay. So, and then of course, the other thing is the interview and you and I'll be doing another podcast about college interviews in a few months, but they're, they're an extremely important way to show demonstrated interest. Now, not all colleges still offer college interviews, but I would say when the opportunity exists, even if it strikes fear in the heart of a student, there is no better way to jump out of the file than to have a college interview. Right. And truly, they almost always help and they almost never hurt. Because if you think about it, it's harder for a college to turn down a person mm -hmm. than it is to turn down a file. Right. Now, having said that, is it possible to jump too much out of the file? Like to really just go bonkers <laughs> with this demonstrated interest stuff and to like put a college <laughs> off by like just blowing up their system? <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. And I hear all kinds of stories about you know, the mother that bakes cookies every week and hands deliver, hand delivers them into the admissions office and the admissions officers kind of roll their eyes and say, oh no, here comes another box of cookies. Mm -hmm. um, so, Give us some yeah. dates. What are, what are, what, what's there some examples of going too far, maybe? Right. So you don't want to call once a week and you don't want to send items the college hasn't requested. Even to the extent of recommendation letters, the college will tell you very specifically, we want 
two teacher recommendation letters. Don't send four or five. That sort of sends up a red flag to colleges. Like, why does this student need to feel, why does the student feel he needs to send five recommendations when we only need two? Um, Don't send the ninth grade science experiment. The student can certainly write about their interest in science in the essay, but the student shouldn't send the diorama of the volcano that erupted. Not like complete with pictures and YouTube video. Exactly. Yes. And there are truly story, all kinds of stories like that. Okay, Monica, this is amazing stuff. Thank you so much. And uh, it's time for show and tell, which is the segment where I, you know, ask folks to bring something that they feel will be practical or useful, either in the college admissions process or in life. So Monica, what have you brought for show and tell today? Okay, well, we discussed this a little bit, but when I discovered this resource known as the common data set, I was blown away by it. Yeah. Um, So the common data set is information that is gathered and submitted by each college and it's given to a consortium of publishers like Peterson's and the, the rest of the educational community. And it's presented in this 20 or 30 page table and it is just chock full of useful information. And it tends to sort of lift the veil, so to speak, on what colleges care about seeing from students and all kinds of statistics. So not only does it show demonstrated interest, but it'll show whether the college cares about community service. So at Georgetown, for example, that's a school who really walks the talk of service. Mm -hmm. And they show through their common data set that volunteer work is very important to them. Mm -hmm. It can also show details like what percentage of freshmen were in the top 10% of their class. It can show activities at the college, like whether they have a jazz band or model UN, and even how many freshmen applied for financial aid, so it is just a treasure trove of information. Totally. That's a great one. Um, mine is going to be, as I tend to do, uh, something practical related to demonstrated interest. So I'm going to try and take all this awesome information that Monica has given us and try to synthesize it and give a really clear and practical, you know, step by step. Here's what to do and what not to do. And Monica, would you be down to co-write this thing with me? I mean, of you've already I'll done be. most of the work already, but... Of course, I'd be happy to. <laughs> Great. So you'll find that in the show notes. Monica, so why do you do what you do? I do what I do because this compiles what I feel are all of my strengths. Mm. Um, being in relationship with people, mm-hmm. helping them do the best writing they can, helping them provide present the best versions of themselves that they can. Mm-hmm. Um, I just get a real kick out of tapping into people's sort of highest potential and the life of the mind, so to speak, or the life of their mind. Monica, what, else, what, what would you like to leave us with? What, what, do you, what do you got? Well, I guess I would say that the thing that troubles me the most about all this, as we've talked a little bit about, is that it can sometimes feel forced. Mm -hmm. And I really want students to go through the college admissions process authentically, because I truly believe colleges feel the authenticity. So I think the bottom line about demonstrating interest is showing how you'll make the promises of the potential in your application package come to life on campus with intentionality, initiative, and enthusiasm. Thank you, Monica. I really, I really appreciate your time and, and just your work with students. It's, well, it's thanks awesome. so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. And we'll talk about interviews in a few months. 
Okay, great. I look forward to it. Thanks again. All right, friends, that's it. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes page where you'll get access to the practical blog post that goes along with this. It'll kind of break all this down into a series of step-by-step uh, you know, steps you can take. Step-by-step steps. That's, that's exactly what I wanted to say. I'm not even going to edit that. Uh, finally, are you on my email list yet? If not, go to the homepage, collegeessayguy.com, scroll down, and you'll see a place where you can sign up. And I'm sending, basically, I usually try to email folks about once a month, sometimes it's twice a month, with like free advice and free tips and just sort of the best of the resources that I'm finding and creating. So check it out. Thanks much. Have an awesome day. Bye.